Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. (laughs) Thank you, the voice of Ryan Treasure, Voice America. I never remember whether I said this is the future or that because I'm watching myself on Zoom. So I'm just going to say into the future. Here we go. Welcome. This is week five of my 2023 Crystal Ball Prediction Special. So happy to be here. Yes, they're clapping for me. Thank you, Deslin Jacques. I remembered how to pronounce your last name. I'm working on it for two years now. We have a panel of nine futurists from all kinds of disciplines all kinds of areas of smartness, and they are smart. We have some novelists. We have some techies. We have a musician. Oh, my goodness. And we have novelists. You you just won't believe what we've got today. But let me do my opening. I have a couple of movie quotes for you that I think you're going to enjoy. And then I will do a brief intro of each of my guests, and then they will regale us with their predictions on whatever they want. No politics, no doom and gloom, but something interesting from their area of expertise. So first up, I have a quote from the character Stu. Viago and Deacon in the movie What We Do in the Shadows. It's a 2014 mockumentary fantasy horror film. Don't we love those combined genres? Yes, right, Leonard? Whoever had all of those genres in one movie description? So Stu says, anything you want to find, you type it in. And Viago says, I lost a really nice silk scarf in about 1912. And Deacon responds, yes, now Google it. Okay, (laughs) that sets us off for the future. Now I have a quote from Cosmo Spacely, voiced by Mel Blanc in the movie Jetsons, the movie, 1990 animated sci-fi comedy film. Machines don't sleep. Start it up. Every second lost means money lost, and money lost means I scream a lot. Anybody remember the Jetsons movie? Alex, you can smile now. Then I have buzz number three. This is from Hobie Doyle, played by an actor I've never heard of, Alden Ehrenreich, in Hail Caesar. It was a 2016 comedy film. Would that it were so simple. And the joke in the movie is that they ask him to read the line. He's never acted before and he can't get the line right. So they have to coach him over and over. Would that it be that it were so simple. And he does it wrong. It's a very funny movie. And then the last one is my favorite quote of all time. Inconceivable. Vizzini, the Sicilian bully, played by who? Wallace Shawn. He's on Young Sheldon, and I love him. The Princess Bride, 1987 romance adventure film. If you're hoping to gaze into a crystal ball to see what 2023 holds, and it's already the 18th of January, we've got the next best thing. Today, I welcome nine panelists who've appeared on many of my radio shows last year in 2022. In total, over six weeks, I'm bringing you almost 60 thought leader futurists. That's a new title, everybody. You're now a thought leader futurist. Barbara, you didn't know that you are, in addition to a novelist. Covering the exciting technology, strategies, and trends that can help your business, your industry, your career, your family, your community, and the world thrive in 2023 and beyond. We finish up the show, the series of six weeks, next week on the 25th. So here are my instructions to the audience. Voice America Business is listening. LinkedIn is watching and Facebook is watching. Pour yourself a mug of Joe or a cup of Earl, if that's your favorite, a glass of Jack. Well, it's a little early in the morning for that, but if you, (laughs) thank you, or a flute of leftover Dom. It may be flat, but you get the idea. And join us for Technology Revolution, the future of now 2023 Crystal Ball Predictions, week five live. And together, 
Let's do our best to make this the best year ever, please. We've been through a lot. So let me introduce my special panelists. Just wave and a quick hello when I call you. Leonard Lee is with us. He's the managing director and founder of Next Curve, N-E, lowercase, capital X, lowercase T, and the word curve with a capital C. Very important. That's his branding, right, Leonard? It's a research advisory firm focused on cross-domain ICT technology and industry research, and that's a mouthful. Leonard is a former managing partner with Gartner and a partner and principal with IBM and PwC. He's advised and delivered emerging technology and digital business solutions to leading enterprises. Leonard, Always happy to have you on the show. Welcome. Then we have BJ Magnani. She only has a PhD and an MD. I don't know what she's done with her education. <laughs> she's a professor, get this, of anatomic and clinical pathology emerita at Tufts University School of Medicine in Boston, Mass. BJ, I'd love to see that business card. It just won't fit. With her knowledge of toxicology, you'll never guess. She writes medical thriller novels featuring a character named Dr. Lily with one L after and then before the I, Lily Robinson, who doubles as an assassin for the government. The books are fabulous. Her books include <laughs> Lily Robinson and the Art of Secret Poisoning. You always want to make it a secret. The Queen of All Poisons, which is behind her, The Power of Poison and A Message in Poison. Okay. Welcome, BJ. Alex Becker is with us, PhD. Alex, I don't know what you've been doing with your life, but seriously, would you get on with it? He only holds 11 patents. And in 2021, he was named <laughs> among the top 100 MIT alumni in technology in the world. Wow. Many Many of us, I told you it was a good panel. Many of us hate waiting in lines. Well, we wait less because Alex invented an app called Q, the letter Q-L-E-S-S. And you can visit locations around the world by piloting drones from your home or your phone, and they don't have to be your own drones, with a platform called Drizzit, D-R-I-S-I-T. He's also the author of 101 Clues to a Happy Life. Alex, always happy to have you. And you're coming on the show about patents with me in a couple of weeks. So happy about that. Joe Ward, Joe, wave hello. Joe is the Chief Executive Officer and President at ICANN, capital I, capital K, capital I-N, ICANN. He has been on the front edge of technology such as VoIP, Voice Over Internet Protocol. Oh, wow. SAS, I, somebody's just enjoying this a lot. <laughs> SAS, software as a service, PaaS, platform as a service, and he's positioning ICANN, get this, as the first company to bring holographic technology and applications to the personal use market. That means we could all be holograms any minute now. Joe Ward, that is very, very exciting. Then we have Barbara Estruna. Barbara, say hello. Barbara Epic Struna, S-T-R-U-N-A. I always get mixed up where the E belongs, Barbara. Thank you. She's an international best-selling author of suspense-filled historical novels in her Old Cape series. She's the president of Cape Cod Writer Center, a member of the International Thriller Writers. She's a member of Sisters in Crime. We got to get them on the show one of these days, Barbara. And a member in letters of the National League of American Pen Women. Barbara, wave hello again. There she is. We have Mike DeDuca with us. He's an innovator. Let's listen to this for a resume. He's an innovator, an industry disruptor, a business baker, a market share maker, a content strategist, a design fiend. I like that. A brand magician. And in addition, in his spare time, he's the CEO and co-founder of the Academy of Behavioral Change. His latest business endeavor, get this, was acquired by a public company on the NASDAQ for millions of dollars six months after he launched it. Mike, wave hello. There you are. We have Deslin Jackaise, who likes to laugh and smile. She's bringing aloha to us. She's the owner and podcaster of Healing with Aloha and the author of a book upcoming called Letters to My Sister Kiela, 
Her dream is to bring hope and healing with Aloha globally as a motivational speaker and writer. Deslin, always a delight to see you. We have Matt Cost. Matt, wave hello, the man with the shirt of many colors. Matt has owned a mystery bookstore. He's owned a video store. He's owned a gym. And I don't want anybody to get upset, but he's a felon. He served a 10-year sentence as a junior high school teacher. Okay, that's one way of looking at it. Sorry to the teaching profession. Now Matt writes mysteries and histories, including the mainly M-A-I-N-E-L-Y mystery series and the Clay Wolfport Essex series. Matt, welcome back. Delighted to see you. And last but not least, we have Nelson Melius, and he's going to speak with the most wonderful French accent. He is a freelance orchestrator and owner of the virtual instrument company, Inui, I-N-O-U-I, with the two dots over the I, samples. If you like auteur cinema, mainstream French cinema, or you watch Netflix series like Lupin, who hasn't seen Lupin and The Last Mercenary, you've heard some of Nelson's collaborations. He's also a clarinet teacher at the Georges Bizet Conservatory in Paris. Nelson, welcome. What an impressive panel. Let's kick off this party. Leonard Lee, three and a half minutes. Go. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Bonnie, for having me again, uh, and it's a pleasure to be on this uh, panel. And uh, uh, I, I do have a question for BJ, though. So, does that does that poison happen to be niacame powder, by chance? <laughs> no, that is not what it's called. <laughs> the queen of all poisons. No. Inconceivable. Okay, Leonard, your predictions. Go. <laughs> Three minutes now. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, I probably have more of a hope than a prediction. I mean, there's a lot of predictions out there, and uh, a lot of them are pretty, you know, they're pretty obvious. They're things that are happening that people observe. But my hope is this, and, you know, in a way, this is a, pr a prediction, uh, that um, privacy, um, what I call privacy first um, solutions, services, products are going to come to market and start to become a thing as especially consumers start to realize that their privacy is important and that it's uh, exposed and uh, in many cases exploited in ways that they don't realize simply because uh, the terms and conditions and how their personal data is being used is hidden in just a ton of legalese, right? And a lot of these business models that have evolved over time, especially since the advent of um, uh, you know the internet and the web, uh, have evolved in a way where uh, many of these business models really capitalize on a person's personal information and privacy. So you know their digital exhaust uh, in the effort to personalize experiences. But uh, thing, you know, new emerging technologies such as edge AI that brings AI inference and uh, ML, uh, uh, you know, ML or machine learning to endpoint devices will start to see these new solutions that are coming out, new services that are coming out that really fundamentally protect um, your uh, privacy. And so that's my hope, but I've also seen evidence of this happening, which is a really great thing. So that's my prediction and most importantly, my hope. 
Thank you. I think we all hope, and as I like to say, I think the barn door open and the horse already got out of the corral as far as privacy goes, but we can only hope. Uh, very, very interesting. You know, I record these Zoom shows, these sessions, and nobody has ever said, no, don't, because you all know this is a media experience. We're out there. But sometimes people say, I don't want to be recorded. I don't want to be broadcast. Yes. I want that kind of privacy, which goes back really to the basics of who you are. But we don't know. And this is something, Leonard, I think people in, in the school system, uh, apologies to Matt Cost, former junior high school yeah, detainee. Um, I shouldn't even say that today. Uh, we try to teach kids that every time you put something out there, those breadcrumbs, that exhaust, it's there. It, it don't go away, kids. And somebody could find it if they want to. So that's a lesson. I, I would hope that people understand more about what we do to expose ourselves to losing our privacy. It's not coming from someone, it's coming from us. Leonard, thank you very much. BJ, the queen of all poisons, you're up next, dear. Regale us, three and a half minutes, go. All right, thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back again. And as you mentioned in my intro about me being a, an author uh, of the Dr. Lily Robinson series, what I wanna say is that this series is published by a small indie press and circle publications. And I predict that as we go forward, we are going to see more bestsellers come from small presses, yep. indie presses, and self-published books. Now, if you think about it, right now in the publishing industry, we have what's left of the big houses down to the big five. We're talking Penguin Random House, the Hachette Group, Harper Collins, Simon and & Schuster, and Macmillan, right? And they do business the traditional way with agents and authors. Their marketing is traditional. Uh, you have in magazines, maybe the New York Times, uh, Book Review, they go on talk shows, okay? So that's the traditional way. Also, if you think about it, traditionally, we had three, we still have three, commercial TV show, TV networks, CBS, ABC, and NBC, right? Yep. And they at one time used to dominate the market. You could get maybe 20 million viewers on a show. And it, it, now that doesn't happen unless maybe it's the Super Bowl or something, okay? What you have in the media is a such a varied content we have Netflix, we have HBO, we have, and what this has brought is an untraditional way of marketing and shows that have more varied content, more take more risks, uh, more flexible, and the indie presses will become more successful because they can be nimble, flex flexible, take risks and put stuff out there uh, that maybe the traditional publishers want to stay away from. So I think, and as you, you've seen what bestseller lists look like, some of these started out as self-published books. So again, I think we're going to see really a true blossoming of that as we go forward. 
Thank you very much, BJ. And I'm going to add to that. I do a Monday night radio show called Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives. And it's not just dancers and singers and artists and photographers and designers. It's everybody, doctors and lawyers and architects and tech people and nerds and and educators and you name it from all walks of life. And I say to people, I didn't pop out of my my mom with an instruction manual. We're all creating our life. What do you do that's creative? Do you grow plants on your windowsill? Do you sing when you're in the shower? Do you write a book in your head? Do you, uh, I don't know, what, what, what do you do? Something creative in your life. And my point is that on that show, I do celebrity birthdays every week. I look on every Monday, celebrity birthdays, but I include, this is to your point, BJ, I include somebody from YouTube, somebody from TikTok, somebody from Instagram, somebody from other, I'll call them the reality venues. These are people neither I nor any of my guests have ever heard of. The reason I do is that these people have millions of followers. I handpick them. Sometimes they're 15 years old. They're 19 years old. One of them recently said she wears colorful outfits and she does challenges. She's 15. Challenges is she either sings a song on karaoke or they dump her into a swimming pool. I hope she can swim. She had something like 300,000 views of that video when she was 15 years old. Somebody posts slime videos. He's got 8.9 million. So the media opportunities, you're talking about small press. Eddie Vincent and Circle, E-N-C-I-R-C-L-E. He was on the show last week, by the way, for predictions. Uh, the opportunities to get attention from people all over the world have changed. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be, Alex, an inventor. Uh, Leonard, you don't have to be the CEO of something. Joe, you don't have to, to be the president of this or that. You can just be somebody who captures the imagination of a certain certain segment of the population that's looking and listening and reading and watching. And that's where it is today. It has all changed. BJ, thank you so much. Alex Becker, you're up next. Let's hear from Mr. Drizzt. Go ahead. Let's see. So I, I'm going to start with privacy because uh, that was uh, just because you would talk just to be uh, say the opposite of what has just been said. I think that privacy uh, will be on the decline uh, because, um, you know, we, we, we old farts are used to privacy and we value it so much. But young people are the future of the world and young people have been raised without privacy. And for the very reasons that you were just talking about, Bonnie, they have realized more benefits from publicity uh, than from privacy. Um, and secondly, I'll say that is not all doom and gloom. It's not all bad. Uh, because as um, a fellow director of mine uh, used to say, only mushrooms grow in the dark. Shining a light on humans puts humans on their best behavior, and, uh, and that can be good. So that's my first one. Um, the second one, uh, Bonnie, you were talking before the show about um, GPT-3 and, and AI and its amazing capabilities, and I, I cannot agree um, um, more with you. It's, it's extremely exciting. So I guess that, that would be my second prediction. We are in for a heck of a year. It's going to be a really exciting year, and they're just going to keep getting more exciting. So what a great time to be alive. My third prediction would be uh, people, uh, it's sort of the counterpart of that. People will realize that the current artificial intelligence understand less than they seem to. GPT-3 is incredibly good at looking like it understands what we tell it. It doesn't really understand it. There are plenty of uh, sort of prompts that people give it that are uncovering that. It's making inconsistent responses. Uh, it doesn't, it looks like it learns, but it doesn't really learn. Um, you know, it's, it, it cannot solve puzzles. It's not really thinking. It is completing text the way that it's seen text completed before. 
Um, and it's amazing um, because its data source is is huge. It's much more than we'll ever be able to read in a lifetime. Um, but it's it's not truly understanding. And and as people realize that, they will they will get to trust it less. Uh, or conversely, they will they will not realize that it's wrong. And we will, you know, as as my uh, co-founder Adrizet Mauro says, you know, we will see the bad consequences of people trusting AI when it says something wrong for years to come. Um, I think another prediction is the ways of AI to connect will explode and, and that will make it expand in usefulness dramatically. When, it, when AI can send emails, can send text messages, can make phone calls, can fill web forms, can talk to our IoT devices, can turn the, the heater on or off, you know, it'll be that much more useful. In fact, GPT-3, the famous, uh, you know, AI that we have all been talking about from OpenAI, it was actually released uh, years ago. What just happened six weeks ago is that it was put in a chat format. And so just connecting it to be able to easily talk to people has made the whole world learn about it. But the AI itself was there before. So every time you add a new way for uh, an AI to communicate, it will completely expand the applications. I think there will be an explosion in applications that use conversational AI this year. The fact, um, you know, so I, I first uh, made that prediction earlier this year. Already, there's been a, a, an explosion. I mean, the, Microsoft has announced they're integrated into Office. Uh, there's a new search engine that uses it. Uh, that will continue to explode um, like crazy. I think there is a significant way to go from here to true AI. True AI is coming, uh, not just human-like intelligence, but way over uh, humans. But it will still take years. I think personalization is the name of the game. Um, you know, today we're used to a few websites being personalized, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they all show us completely different feeds based on who we are. And that's driven their enormous success because we like things that we like, not things that the average person uh, likes. Uh, and AI will allow every website to be in every service to be personalized. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be really fun uh, to have everything fine tuned to us. I mean, that's part of what humans do to us. They don't treat us exactly the same way that they treat others. Uh, we're not used to machines treating us that way, but they will. Um, and finally, I'll say that, uh, if, you know, as, as people ponder what, what to do with work in the era of uh, AI, uh, I think the future of work is freelance. Uh, people, um, you know, doing a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, and uh, that, that gives people, and, and that is also good. Uh, it's also a good thing because it gives us more freedom. Uh, it gives people an ability to contribute to, to the thing uh, that, that they're best. One other thing comes to uh, mind, and that's that books uh, will switch to a Spotify-like model where we have access to any book we want to read, um, you know, and, and as opposed to having to buy one at a time with an author here, a fellow author here, I thought uh, we're going to say that. And that's particularly important in the era of AI because AIs are only as smart as what they read. And today they haven't read every book yet, uh, but they, they they will. They need to, and they will read every book, and that makes them all more more interesting and powerful. Alex, thank you. I have a couple of comments. Number one is if I ask ChatGPT, which you're calling GPT three, the free beta version, if I ask it something it doesn't know, I get the following message. My database is only up to 2021. I do not search the internet. I am a defined database. I don't know that. It will give me that disclaimer, 
which is very interesting. Another thing is that uh, talking about books, I had an author on, I, I do a couple times a year, Matt and BJ and Barbara have been on many of my shows about thriller novelists and where the industry is going, Eddie Vincent, independent publishers. And we had an author on recently who writes more of the scholarly rather than the novels. And she said she woke up one day and discovered that somebody had taken the entire content of her book and published it under their own name. It was literary piracy. And she found two other people had taken literally word for word the entire... Barbara, you might have been on that show. I'm not sure. She's somebody who owns her own publishing business as well as writes uh, educational books. And I think this was a novel. And she said it was out there under other people's names completely the way it was. So just some interesting comments. Alex, thank you very much. I appreciate that. As far as privacy goes, yeah, you're right. If you're not known, people won't know you. They won't read you. They won't listen to you. So we'll, we'll talk about that another time. I think I need to do a show on the future of privacy, and that would probably be a very big panel. Alex, thank you. Joe Ward, you are up next, sir. Let's hear from you. Go. Unmute. There you Unmuted. go. Unmuted. Okay. Thanks for having me again, uh, Bonnie. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Thank you. The first and the most important prediction that I have is that the University of Georgia Bulldogs will win their third national title in a row. Um, so uh, looking forward to that. Um, you know, on the ICANN front and on technology, um, this is a really big year. The, the next prediction is that ICANN will become a household name, uh, really on two main tracks. On the consumer side, we're creating you know, holographic uh, uh, images that can be seen without any goggles, right? Well, what do you do with it, right? And a lot of the panel here is talking about privacy and those type of things, but the interaction between social media um, and a visual technology that doesn't require goggles, I think can be a game changer, whether it's gaming, uh, other vertical markets like medical, uh, architecture, real estate, uh, et cetera. On the B2B side, really a major breakthrough we made as we've been on our journey of now four years as an early stage company is in the scanning technology. And scanning technology is nothing new. It's been around forever, but the ability to do it very fast and cheaply is revolutionary. And that's what ICANN has just um, been given a provisional patent on that technology. And the use cases for that are endless. Um, an example would be, we can create synthetic data and using AI we can actually put you in the middle of an NBA game. We can actually make you view that experience through the eyes of LeBron James shooting the winning shot. You could be a quarterback throwing the, the winning pass in the Super Bowl. So we can project your being into that first person experience and then view that in a hologram and in a 3D environment. Um, our technology is form factor agnostic. So although early stage company, we had to pick a bet, we have a mobile device and a desktop device, you're going to see a, an explosion of different types of devices, whether it's uh, small as a watch or as big as a, you know, a, a theater. Uh, we're talking to some major entertainment organizations, as you would expect, and they see this as a really a, a big breakthrough. So on the medical side, scanning is very important because home healthcare is, is, is blooming really through the pandemic, it was put gasoline on the fire, but the ability to scan a wound or scan uh, an injury and send that data to uh, a, a physician who can view it uh, from your home uh, is, is gonna be something that we're very much looking into. So, you know, from a visual technology standpoint, it's not just about seeing the hologram in ambient light without any goggles, Princess Leia, but it's also about the technology that gets you there. What is the scanning technology that allows you to create these images? 
um, whether it's a person uh, or, or an item. Um, so really excited about changing the game as it relates to uh, both uh, the user and user experience on the consumer side, but also the, the plethora of opportunities on the B2B side. You know, I, I tend to agree with Alex in that you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, privacy is, is, is a thing of the past, and I just don't see a way we can go back. But I do think there's a way forward where you can really lean into that and use it as a pro productive tool. And then, of course, you know, AI is going to continue to dominate the landscape of technology, as we all know. And I think we're just on the tip of the iceberg of what's happening there. Thank you, Joe. Very, very interesting. On the privacy level, uh, I, I was the one who said the, the barn door horse already got out of the barn. But if you think about it, if you control the message, right, to my authors here, Barbara and Matt, Leonard, everybody's nodding. If you control the message, then the privacy shouldn't really be that big a deal. How do you speak? How do you look? What do you say? What do you share? What do you want people to know? How do you describe your work? How do you promote your books? What do you or don't you say on social media? What do you or don't you say in messaging that you assume is private? What if you're on Wikipedia? You can go and edit that to control the message of what you want people to know about you. It might not, Joe and, and, and Alex, it might not completely control the privacy, but if you control the message or try to manage the message, it will be more of who you want people to see you as. And as far as privacy, if you're about to commit a crime, uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, I just can't get over your what you said about being a junior high school teacher. We all know how that goes. Um, be damn careful. Where, where your GPS is and be careful about when you go through a toll bridge and be careful about keeping your phone tracking on. Just be more well, careful. Go ahead. Who's going to say something? Well, I, was, I was just going to say that, listen, I'm an old man, right? So privacy to me is, means something completely different than privacy to my 27-year-old son. They just don't care. There, <laughs> they really don't go. care. There you go. And that, that was to Alex. Alex, quick, go ahead. The, the difficulty in controlling the message, Bonnie, is that... Um, the, the risk in privacy is not what other people learn about us. It's what AI learns about us. When, it, you know, AI is reading our Gmail and it hasn't mattered so far, but when all of a sudden I can make a search and, and from an AI or a question and the AI will answer to me based on what it knows about you, Bonnie, because you taught it that, all of a sudden that's a big implication. You have to be careful about what AIs learn about you. Exactly. Yeah. So be careful what you put out there that AI could learn about you if we have that opportunity. <laughs> you're exactly right. Barbara Struner, you're up next year. Let's hear from you. Barbara, go ahead. Predictions. Hey, um, um, currently, I live on Cape Cod, but I'm in Alaska right now visiting my, my grandchildren and so on. So I'm down in their little craft room. I don't even know where what's above me. But I've been talking to the kids about AI. They're teenagers. And uh, we compare our Instagram accounts and they're, they're teaching me and I'm teaching them. But um, I've been talking to them about privacy also. And um, I also mentioned to them, now, when you submit an assignment and you search for it and it spits back a couple of sentences that look good, are you going to use that? Are you going to tell your teacher that you, uh, uh, you know, search this and wrote it? Or are you going to say, I was assisted by, you know, it's, it's becoming an ethical question. Yes. That's how I'm going to look at it. I'm an author. My husband's a professional artist and has been for 40 years. And so we're all in the creative arts in my family, all my children, they all 
are in Hollywood and filmmaking and they're marketing. They're all doing these creative things. And they use AI all the time. My one son does pitch decks for Hollywood and he uses AI constantly. And uh, yet he's putting it all together himself. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but as an author, do you say on your book, if you used more than 50 to 70% of an AI program to help you write your book, do you give AI credit alongside of your name? So it presents this ethical question that all creatives need to think about. There's a painting. Well, a couple of times, uh, museum uh, shows if recently were a little duped by a uh, painting that was submitted. And I think they eventually came around to it, but it won an award. And then they realized that it was actually made by an AI-generated program. And so... There's that ethical question, and we need to teach the kids, and it's some, and you also need to think about it more. That's what's going to happen this year. AI is coming. Number one, we need to embrace it, because if we don't, we're going to be lost. If we're in any sort of, uh, you know, out there in the world, and you want you to be known, we are going to be lost if we don't embrace it. So we have to figure out how to utilize it. I love my phone. I like Instagram, but there is a way to utilize it and know when to stop and when to continue. Privacy is another thing I'm telling the kids. Be careful what you put on your Instagram. They do TikTok, you know, and um, so they have to be very, very careful. And they're all listening to me. Here's grandma, who's older than all of you guys on this panel, probably talking about AI and robots, but it is a part of our life. We have to embrace it. And it's Um, just an ethical question in my respect as an author and my husband as an artist, we have to consider all those things. Do we give credit or do we just be quiet? Barbara, thank you. Do you have any predictions on the future of mystery novels, of what you do as a profession, you in particular? Any quick predictions on that before I move on? uh, Again, you know, the new Jasper thing that's out, the new AI Jasper uh, uh, program, you can put in 700 words and the AI will read it. And then they work on predictive text. They will read the 700 words and spit back on maybe 50, 60,000 words for you. And there you have it. So you've written 700 words, they spit back that, but, and people are using it, but there's also been a lot of negative things coming back. Mm-hmm. That on social media, other writers are also commenting on that very repetitive AI comes back with words that repeat consistently. And that's one thing you don't want to do, describing the same thing with the same words all the time. Uh, there's no human relation elements when you're writing. Um, so we have to be careful. We, um, I don't know. I don't think it's going to replace us. Here's what's going to replace. Okay. AI is going to replace nonfiction but not fiction. Ah, I like that. The That's the idea of empathy, passion, yeah. compassion. So the non-fictioners out there, you got to really mm-hmm. going to have to be, you're going to have to look hard at what you're doing because that can be replaced. 
Thank you very much. And when I used the chat GPT to help me write an intro for a show, like one of on my technology revolution, I always say in the description, I use chat GPT to generate this text just so people know I'm trying to give credit where it's due. And if it's wrong, I'm not going to take the blame. Let's move. Oh, somebody have something to say. I was going to move on. Uh, Next after Barbara, Mike DeDuca. Mike, you're up. Go. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for having me here. Um, so right off the bat, I'm just going to state the 49ers are winning the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> privacy. I don't think it's as big as a deal as it used to be for us older folk. Um, the newer generation kids, we have five in our family ranging from 14 to 21 years old. It's not the same ball of wax for them that it is for us. Um you know, so I honestly do think that privacy is not going to be as a big of a deal. I do think they may end up kind of going left or right, where if you want to keep your privacy, you sign on. But if you do give up your privacy, you can actually earn a monetization of some sort. So I do see some type of division going on where you will have the right to keep everything private, check the buttons, you know, you don't want this and this and this to be released. But I do foresee that there will be some type of monetization for you kind of bearing your soul to the world. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to play out. Artificial intelligence, absolutely. The algorithms, the the future is here. I believe that's going to be a mainstream aspect to our society overall in terms of technology programs, the whole nine yards. On the other side of the coin, human behavior, I believe there's going to be an awakening for 2023. You've seen a little bit of a climb where people are starting to really understand the inner dynamics and the economics of things. And we're starting to see, because of the internet, a lot more resources. And I find that although artificial intelligence is going to consume a lot of our life on the outside, from a personal development side, I think we're really starting to get the tools and strategies to personally grow. And we're really starting to understand how the brain works out there as well. Compared to 10, 20 years ago, we understood a lot about anatomy and how the body works. But more recently, over the past five years, we're really understanding a lot about neuroscience and uh, neuro NLP and so on. So I really believe that there's kind of a a bullish run on artificial intelligence, but I also see a bullish run on, on personal development. So it's kind of a a balance on the side as opposed to you know us going all technologically and one dimensional in terms of that facet i also see personal growth i see an awakening of some sort um and i give you a little example in the sense that there's a lot of obviously nay say a lot of negative there's a lot of chaos out there in this world at the present time covid economics division amongst uh, our own countries and what i do foresee is that it's going to become very tribal in the sense that, for example, one of my predictions for 2023s is that meme stocks is going to make a resurgence again. And the reason being is because we start to really understand the dynamics of how the stock market works and because of possible corruption and so on. And we're going to start to see a tribal effect where the people are almost going to kind of say, well, if it's like a casino out there, I get to play my way too. Um I do foresee the interest rates being capped this year. I do think we're going to hit our plateau. Um, And I do see kind of a little bit of a resurgence in the housing market at the late end of the year. Um, Overall, I think it's going to be an incredible 2023 just based on those dynamics of artificial intelligence and how we're going to be able to leverage that to really help society and grow and also with the personal development too. So there's kind of a merging of both 
personal growth and technology. And hopefully it, it, it kind of joins and it becomes very fruitful for all of us. I like the way you ended positively. And I would like the housing market to research because I have a friend who's been trying to sell their house for four months in North Carolina, and it's de- dead on the market, and they just dropped $50,000 and hoping to get something out of it. So I squeaked into the end of the market before the rise of the rates and got out just in time. Bought and closed on a house in two different states the same exact day, September 30th. It was a banner day for me. I got in and got out, and wow, am I glad I did it when I did. Enough of that. Mike, thank you very much. As far as the 49ers, everybody get your popcorn and your chips, whatever. Okay. I don't even know when the Super Bowl is. Let's go on. Deslin, aloha, my dear. We're ready for you. After Deslin, remind Matthew, and then Nelson will wrap up. Deslin, you're up. Go. Aloha, guys. I'm Deslin, and my prediction is that this is the year of healing, this is a year of self-compassion and breaking the silence. Um, what I noticed, because obviously I'm the one on the panel that is on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Pinterest, <laughs> Facebook. Uh, I noticed that there was a trend with people starting to talk about their mental illnesses, their mental health, and talking about grief. Um, as a society, we don't normalize talking about these topics at work, at home, or even at school. And so there was a surgence of people talking about you know, dealing with suicide, wanting to end their lives, and then seeing people get in there to help other people to heal and to process their pain. Um, What I predict is going to happen is there's going to be a lot more healing with generational trauma. Uh, A lot of times um, we're in families and we're in homes and, and even towns and cities. I'm on an island. And there is like this normalcy of Whatever happens in our house stays in our house. And a lot of it builds up this shame and guilt that you don't want to bring shame on your family, but there's this isolation and people, you know, happen to end their lives. And then people are wondering what happened. Well, I predict that TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram is going to be at the forefront in allowing people to have a safe place to find grief support groups and to have a place to to find tips, I noticed there's an insertion of um, professionals in the mental health field sharing tips and tricks and going live and um, even podcasters and even book authors, um, they believe that collaboration over competition is the way to bring healing in the world. And I'm really grateful that last year I became a book author, you know, talking about my trauma and I'm 47. I didn't want to talk about it, but you know, about privacy, I had to put it out publicly because if I don't, then that one person would feel so isolated and alone. And so I think when it comes to social media and writing books, it's about being intentional and bringing more light and love for the generations to come to know there's hope. Thank you. Thank you very much, Deslin. I appreciate that. And it's true. We do want to hide that stuff. We don't want to talk about it. And yet, collaboration over competition. I like that. I like that a lot. And I think that goes a thread through what we've all been talking about. How can we collaborate rather than compete? How can we use AI for good in our lives and in general? I'm not going to be a Pollyanna here, but thank you very much, Deslin. You brought the what the bots lack is that sentient sense of empathy and compassion. And Barbara, you're right. Nonfiction will be fine with a, an AI bot, but fiction that has to, right, BJ, that has to have that human component, that sense of feeling, of understanding of joy and tragedy has to be from humans. Deslin, thank you very much. Aloha to you. Matt Cost, you're up next. We're moving along here. Go. 
I, I am, everybody seems to be touching on the big picture things today for sure. Uh, privacy, AI, mental health, but I'm going to be a little more specific. Uh, I'm a writer of histories and mysteries, and I uh, recently have been getting my books onto audio. So my mind has turned to audio books, and I've come to realize that probably the next section of audio books is going to be shorter segments. Podcasters will be doing it in by chapter. One of my chapters is about 15 minute long, 15 minutes long. And I think that those chapters will be on a podcast on a daily or a weekly basis. And so people will listen to it on their way to work, maybe when they're stretching, walking to the subway, on the subway. Um, and of course, it's not like the 30s, 40s, and 50s when it was Sunday night mystery radio. And, you know, you tune in at six o'clock on Sunday night and you get a chance to listen to, you know, things like Sherlock Holmes and Perry Mason, who before TV was on radio. And those segments were anywhere from 10 minutes to maybe two hours long. Um, and I think in today's world, those segments are going to get shorter again, but they will always be available. So much like Netflix, if you want to watch, you know, two, three, you know, episodes, you could do the same thing with chapters and, you know, listen to two or three chapters that have been backlogged onto that podcast into the memory. But I think the word is daunting. I think today's, you know, yoke are, you know, a little bit worried about committing to long-term things. So an audio book is about 10 hours long, and that's too much, uh, too long. So they don't start it. But if you could break it down into 15-minute segments, then I think that would be more doable. And you go one to the next to the next. You know, Netflix and other streaming devices have begun to do that with mysteries and histories mm -hmm. and things like that. You know, one that comes to mind is my wife and I watched The Blacklist which we greatly enjoyed, but that is nine, you know, seasons of 20 plus episodes each of 30 to 40 minutes. So if I were to, you know, you, you mentioned that I once owned a video store. If I'd walked into a video store and said, I want to rent this 250 hour long movie, <laughs> people would have thought I was kind of crazy. So, you know, but broken down segment by segment, uh, it was doable. And I think that today's, you know, youth, as they grow up, are going to want quicker bursts and 15-minute increments, and eventually we'll get through their books in that way. So that's my prediction for today, that audiobooks will go into just chapter by chapter and be narrated in that way. Thank you, Matt. Very, very interesting. I, I'm, I appreciate the variety of predictions, but one comment I'll make, BJ talked about how many networks are left for major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS. I almost resent when I'm following a new show like Young Sheldon or CSI or NCS because I have to wait a week for the next one. Or when I'm watching something, I got to wait a year. Emily in Paris, excuse me, I happen to like it. The fashions rock, the plot not so much. I have to wait a year for the next six episodes. I like it when a show is streaming 
It's all there. I can watch five episodes if I have nothing to do on a weekend, or I can watch half an episode and come back and resume it. I like that total on demand. And Matt, your point about shorter is right, but I also like a longer opportunity. I might want to watch five episodes in a row, and I don't want to wait five weeks for them. Thank you. Nelson Melius, it's time for some music predictions. You're up. Go. Yes. Hi. Thank you, Benny, for the invitation. Of course, I will talk about music. Uh, my first prediction will be about uh, digital music creation assistance. So there is already there is already a generative help for chord progressions, melodies, but it's not very helpful because it's easy to create even uh, for a beginner human, a human beginner. The next step uh, that will come is uh, the global construction of a piece. From a simple melody you give to the computer with or without harmony, it could generate uh, a different. It uh, generate different development suggestions, leaded by uh, what you ask if you want something longer with orchestra uh, or with a classical form. It will be a, a very uh, good tools uh, for professional composer who want to try different developments without getting exhausted. Uh, the development is a hard job of the composer and of the theme. And uh, it will, of course, be a great tool for hobbyists to have fun because they won't just have, a, as they have now, a very short theme, uh, but they will be able to create uh, a normal piece of music. And the artist will still be needed to choose which solution is the best between the different developments. And uh, for uh, pro composers, uh, they will adapt the generated music so it fits exactly uh, what uh, they want or what they need. Uh, I also want to, to talk about uh, digital music uh, control. Uh, a few months ago, I tried a virtual uh, reality video game where you conduct an orchestra. Uh, it was an, ama an amazing uh, experience, uh, very uh, immersive. So in this game, uh, you had to conduct a pre-existing, a pre-recorded music uh, music piece. And I was thinking, of course, about uh, the next step, uh, where your gesture makes the music change. Uh, in this game, uh, the, if you make the wrong gesture, the music don't change, you just lose points. So uh, it's will be a bill it will be uh, possible soon uh, to be able to control the tempo the speed of the music the dynamics the balance between uh, different virtual instruments and uh, this will be only a second step uh, in music uh, it uh, there exists a gesture language language named sound painting that we use to create music uh, in interest in interaction uh, uh, music uh, with musician, you make gesture and the musician plays music depending of uh, your gesture. Uh, basi a basic example will be uh, to ask with your hands different notes, how to play them and way, when to play them, stop them. So you create a, a, a live piece uh, with musician. And uh, I think that uh, digital sound pasting uh, will have a lot of advantages. First of all, you don't need to have a, an orchestra in front of you to have fun. Uh, and this is very exciting because it can be a professional tools and also uh, something uh, that beginners uh, can use to create music and have fun simply or try different sounds, uh, different techniques. And 
the the last step of uh, of the digital sound painting will be a multiplayer mode where you you could uh, digitally jam with your friends. And so the last prediction is uh, also for beginners, unknown beginners about uh, reading music. So if if uh, it's of course a big challenge, if you did not know how to read, it's impossible. And even if you learn how to read music, uh, it can take a lot of time, especially for large orchestra with non-classical music pieces. Uh, nowadays, there already exist softwares who can generate audio from a score, uh, not from the paper, but from a score uh, from a uh, music editor. Uh, it's like a text-to-speech uh, mm. from a world or something uh, else, some other players, some other text editor, sorry. Uh, but if you only have music on a paper or on a PDF, you first need to digitally understand your music content. And this technology is uh, making big progress this year. And uh, in the future, uh, we called uh, Imagine to mix these two technologies. Uh, in the best case, there will be uh, glasses who can translate the score uh, that you read on your paper into audio. Mm. So if you read an orchestral score, you may focus, for example, on the string parts and listening other string or listening to the whole orchestra. And if you mix this technology with my previous prediction, we could imagine to control, uh, to, to conduct a virtual orchestra by reading a music uh, paper and conducting his with your hand, mixing your glasses who read the music and your hands who conduct. And it's very funny because you can conduct a virtual orchestra even if you don't know how to read music just by uh, following text with your glasses and uh, giving tempo with your hands. So Nelson, all our technologies for beginners and professionals. Thank you so much. And something I heard you say, sound painting. What an idea. I, I met Nelson through a, a mutual acquaintance, a friend named Serge Hoffman, two ends on the end of Hoffman, and he is a digital music composer. And he and I have collaborated on some videos that we have actually put on virtual websites. And uh, we're, we're, I take images of my paintings and I put them in with the Ken Burns effect into a video where you're moving in and out and then we put one of Serge's original music soundtracks underneath it and they're between two and three minutes long and we created about 15 of those. I, we haven't monetized them yet but it's we put them on Spatial which is a uh, non-membership and you don't even need glasses, don't even need the headsets. Nelson, it was it was delightful to hear that. Music, empathy, being able to read music, thinking about it, conducting an orchestra virtually. And I did compose my own little short piece of music digitally, and it was a blast to do. So thank you very much. I want to thank you all, but I have something I have to say. I want to thank our engineer, Andrew at Voice America, the guy who always says, how are you today? And everybody says, I'm fine. Thank you, Andrew. I want to thank all of you for playing in the sandbox on my fifth week of 2023 crystal ball predictions. And I want one word from each of you, one word. What was your favorite drink over the holidays? I'm going to go across the screen. Barbara, unmute, please. What did you drink on the holidays? Real fast. Hot toddy. Okay, Matt? Bourbon. BJ? Hot chocolate. Oh, I like that. Leonard? Water. Okay. <laughs> well, there's always one. Nelson, what were you drinking? Real fast. Pastis. Okay. Mike? Bailey's. I like that. Joe? Hot cider. All right, Deslin? Out of lava, it's a tropical drink. Okay, sounds good. I heard chocolate in there. Alex? 
Coca-Cola, the juice of the gods. There we go. But I have a quick assignment for all of us. We've got about a minute and a half left, or if that, because I can't see anything right now. We're all we're all having with a, hopefully most of you are smiling. We're stuck on the screen here right now. But I want to say, everybody says the future is already here. And on the count of three, I want you to all join me in yelling out, no, no, no. So one, two, three. No, no, no. no. Oh, you can do better than that. One, two, three. No, no, no. no. The reason is that that was yesterday's future or the future from five minutes ago. Our future today didn't happen yet. Let's all work to make it a much better one. Let's say goodbye to LinkedIn. Goodbye to Facebook. Don't go away. We got to take pictures. Goodbye to Voice America. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.